If you would look in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, to chapter 53. Amazing how many times we go back to this great prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53. I want to read only one verse of Scripture as we look at the death of the Lamb. The death of the Lamb. Isaiah chapter 53 and in verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Let me mention this at the beginning. Our God is a God of truth. Our God never tells a lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, God never exaggerates. He never does like we do sometimes in trying maybe to excuse ourselves, say that we just stretch the truth a little bit. God never does that. I mention that because of what is written in verse 7. Concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, His suffering and His death. Note these words in Isaiah 53 and verse 7. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. It's words like I mentioned several times. Easy to just read over. But think about what is written. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. Jesus Christ was slaughtered in his suffering and in his death. He was slaughtered. The prophecy by Isaiah concerning how those events would be, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. You would go with me from there over to the book of Revelation to chapter 5. Revelation and in chapter 5. And here I read verse 1 through verse 6. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much. Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, let me just stop for a moment. In verse 5, you find the word behold. Weep not, behold. 
Verse 6, John said, I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. I don't know, and there's a lot I don't know, but I don't know in heaven right now all of the marks of the suffering and death of Jesus which still remains in his body. I do know the wounds in his hands and his feet are still there. They're not scarred. The wounds are still there. But I don't know what other marks on his body. If the wounds in his hands and his feet still remain, I don't know about the other marring of his body that still might be there. But I do know as John received this vision of things that must shortly come to pass, he beheld and in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. Keeping in mind, Isaiah prophesied he would be brought as a lamb to the slaughter. When you think about the biblical record of the suffering and death of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was worse than you and I might imagine. Not only in the physical, but also during that dreadful three hours of darkness. But the Bible says again, a lamb brought to the slaughter. I want us to read in the book of Mark, chapter 15, uh, I guess a little lengthy reading, about the death of Jesus Christ, the death of the Lamb. Remember that John proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God. How we ought to do that and never tire of beholding the Lamb of God. I take up the reading in Mark chapter 15 in verse 14. Then Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? In verse 13, the multitude had cried out, Crucify him. So Pilate says, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. So Pilate, willing to contend the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away uh, in, into the hall called the Praetorium and they called together the whole band. Now just keep that in mind. Just think about the events here. They called together the, the whole band of, of soldiers together. And they clothed him with purple, plaited a crown of thorns, and put it about his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed, did spit upon him, Bowing their knees, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, 
They took off they, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. When they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand, the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, He was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildeth it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ the King of Israel Descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land under the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, uh, Eli, Sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar, and put it on a reed, and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone. Let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. The veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said truly, This man was the Son of God. I want us to look at several things that are mentioned in this reading. But as I mentioned this morning, the person of Jesus Christ is a very complex person. The earthly life of Jesus Christ is an amazing thing to study. From the virgin birth, His impeccable life, to his death at Golgotha. I want us to go back to 
verse 14 where we began. And here the scripture says, Then Pilate said unto them. Well, my first thought as I would read that is who is this them? Who is it that Pilate is, is speaking unto? And I go back to verse 1. It is the chief priests, the elders, the scribes, the whole council, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of Israel, those who were very familiar with the Scriptures. In verse 13, this group that's mentioned in verse 1, cry out for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And Pilate asked them why. A very logical question, one that should have been asked. We look at it from the human viewpoint and we would say, well, when he got the answer, he should have acted differently, but we know that they did according to what God had determined to be done. But he asked why. And there were many charges that had been placed against Jesus Christ, all of them being false. But when you look at what is, is written here, in verse 15, So Pilate, willing to contend the people, released Barabbas unto them, and delivered Jesus, when he had scourged him to be crucified. There ought to be a great lesson there for everyone. Here's where you get into trouble. By not doing what is right. But having a preference to go along with the people. Gain favor of the people. You read in verse 15. And so Pilate, willing to contend the people, did one of the most awful acts imaginable in his office. He scourged and crucified Jesus Christ. In, in this reading, he released Barabbas, the guilty man, he scourged and crucified the innocent one. When you read in verse 15, the latter part of the verse, when he had scourged him, I won't turn there, but in Luke chapter 23 and in verse 14, Pilate had said, I find no fault in this man at all. I don't find even one fault with this man. And the question uh, to be asked is, if you find no fault in him, why would you scourge him? Why would you deliver him to be crucified? If you find no fault, no guilt in this man. And again, the answer is in verse 15, willing to contend the people. How far? Will the human depra depraved nature go 
to get along with this world, to get along with the people of this world, to maintain your office as governor for political gain, willing to contend the people, he released the innocent one and condemned, rather he released the guilty one and, re, and reserved the innocent one to be scourged and put to death. When you read further, I'm going to read verse 16 and verse 17. And the soldiers led him away into this hall. And it is a place where Jesus is going to suffer humiliation and great physical pain. As they call together the whole band of soldiers. And in mocking him, they clothed him with purple, a sign of royalty. And this is all mockery of the Lord Jesus Christ. They planted a crown of thorns if you are are truly a king, and you need a purple robe, you need a crown. And again, in mocking him, they clothed him with purple, planted a crown of thorns, and put it upon his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. We have in Mississippi several different types of thorns. In the land of Israel, mostly the thorns there are anywhere from four to six inches long. This is not a small thing when it says in verse 17, and planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They took the vines with these thorns, weaved it together, made this crown of thorns. I cannot read that without thinking. The curse that came upon this earth because of sin was thorns. And Jesus became a curse for us. Symbolized here, by this crown of thorns that was put upon his head. Now, not only did they put this crown of thorns up on his head, but in verse 19, after doing that, they smote him on the head with a reed, which would have naturally just driven the thorns deeper into his skull. Again, there's such agony and pain that must have been there. You remember we read many times how he humbled himself. If you don't see that anywhere else in Scripture, you ought to see it in verse 19 when they spit upon him. There are two amazing things to me about the betrayal the suffering of Christ and His death, but two things just seem to stand out to me in the humiliation of Jesus. Jesus allowed that devil Judas to kiss Him. I cannot imagine that. 
Jesus knowing all things. He knew why Judas was there. He knew what that was a signal for. He knew that Judas was in, in concert with his enemies. And he allowed Judas to walk up and kiss him. Here in our text, he'd allow, he allowed these soldiers to spit upon him. Now, it would be hard for any of us to stand silent and not even open our mouth and allow somebody to spit on us. Jesus humbled himself. In verse 20 and verse 22, or, or through verse 22, it says, When they had mocked him, they mocked him in many different ways. You notice the last words of verse 19, worshipped him, bowing their knees, worshipping him. And surely we all know that was not true worship. It was in mockery. Just humiliating Jesus Christ. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. Over the years, I brought two or three messages, I believe, on Simon the Cyrenian. And I see there the, the sovereignty of God. Simon a Cyrenian was just passing by. Scripture says he was just coming out of the country. And just as he was passing by, here came the procession with Jesus. The Bible says they compel him to bear the cross of Jesus. There are many false teachings and perversions about Simon carrying the cross. Many say that Jesus was too weak and he was stumbling and falling and he could not make it on his own carrying the cross by himself to Golgotha so Unless he gets some help, he can't make it there. That's not found in the Word of God anywhere. Why they compel Simon to carry the cross, we're not told. We're just not told. Anything that man might bring up would be mere speculation. But I think again about God's Sovereignty in bringing Simon to that exact place at that exact time. Verse 22, they bring Jesus unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. You might have seen pictures of that place, of that stone 
that if you look at it at a certain angle, it will look like a skull. A, a, a skull, and even today, a a skull is a symbol of death. Golgotha was a place of death. It was a place where the Lamb of God was going to die. In verse twenty-three, they give him to drink wine mingled with myrrh. But he received it not. Some say he received it not because he just would not touch wine. Well, that's a foolish statement because he made wine. But he would not take anything that would dull his senses during this time. He would endure it all. Endure all of the pain and suffering of the crucifixion. In verse 24 and verse 25, when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them. What every man should take. We read in other places, there were four soldiers there and every soldier got apart. He had that seamless robe, you might remember, and they would not tear it up, cut it up and divide it, so they just cast lots who would who would receive that. And the Bible says in verse 25, it was the third hour and they crucified him. How many times have you ever thought about the crucifixion taking place at 9 o'clock in the morning? But that would be the third hour. Jesus had been up all night. The previous night, he had instituted the Lord's Supper after celebrating the Passover. He had gone with the disciples to Gethsemane and prayed. He had been betrayed. He had been through mock trials. And now it's the next morning, nine o'clock, when they crucified Jesus Christ. And the superscription, verse 26, of his accusation was written over the King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, one on his right hand, the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, he was numbered with the transgressors. Again, a reference back to Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 12. Verse 9 says, And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildeth it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking, said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Again, verse 31. Words that were spoken in ridicule, but nonetheless it is a gospel fact. He saved others, himself he cannot 
saved. Verse 32, you'd have to have a large imagination even to begin to believe what is said here. These that were mocking Christ said, Let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. I don't think anyone with a right mind would have would think that these would have truly believed in Jesus if he'd come down from the cross. I think if he had come down from the cross, if they were able, they'd have put him right back on the cross. I believe they would just nailed him again. In verse 33, when the sixth hour was come, the sixth hour would be 12 noon. Crucifixion began at 9 o'clock. Sixth hour, 12 noon. When the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land under the ninth hour. Three in the afternoon. It's a long time for Jesus to be hanging there suffering. Physical pain. The humiliation and mocking that went on. And then we read in verse 34. At the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice. The indication to me is he was not so weak that he could not speak. He still had his senses. He still had his strength. And he cries out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias. One ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed, gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come and take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. Those words simply mean he dismissed his spirit. There must have been something there of note when Jesus cried with a loud voice and dismissed his spirit. We're told the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. We're told in other places that graves were opened and people who had been dead came out of those graves after his resurrection. But we're told something else in verse 39. About the centurion. Which stood over against him. When he saw. That he so cried out. And when he saw. That Jesus gave up the ghost. Or literally just dismissed his spirit. It had a great effect upon this man. This man, the Roman centurion said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Again, it had a great effect 
upon this man. In the verses that we have read here in Mark chapter 15, we've just briefly looked upon the death of Jesus Christ. Suffering, humiliation, physical pain, and then nobody took his life. He just dismissed his spirit. A remarkable thing. You and I cannot do that. We don't have the power to do that. Just dismiss our spirit. We don't have the power to just tell our spirit to leave our bodies. But Jesus did. He dismissed. He says, it's time for you to go. He dismissed his spirit. And what an effect it had. But considering all of this and things that lead up to it, from Bethlehem throughout his earthly life, this death that we read of here in Mark chapter 15 was ever before Jesus Christ. Look with me to John chapter 12. In John and in chapter 12, Jesus makes a statement in verse 27. When you think about the birth, how miraculous it was, his life, Jesus was born to die. You and I are going to die unless we're living and the Lord comes back. But we were born to live. Jesus was born to die. And I read in John 12, in verse 27, he said, Now, I think that now is important, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. For this cause he came into the world. For this cause, he was born of a virgin. Lived that impeccable life. Finds himself at Golgotha. For this cause, he came in to the world. Jesus knew why he came. He knew why he was born of a virgin. Why he lived a sinless life. He was born to die. But I want to just mention this afternoon the kind of death that he did die. What kind of a death was it? And just for a moment, you could put out of your mind all of the physical things. I'm going to give you four V's concerning the death of Jesus Christ. And it tells us the kind of death that he did die. It was a voluntary death. It was a vicarious death. 
It was a victorious death. And it was a vital death. That's the kind of death that Jesus died. He willingly, voluntarily gave up his life. Nothing happened unto him without his permission without the ordination of, of God. As I mentioned last week, and we've mentioned several times, His blood was not spilled, it was shed. He shed His blood willingly. It was a willful act on the part of Jesus Christ. His death was voluntary in every way. The book of First Timothy and in chapter 2. In First Timothy and in chapter 2. I read verse 5 and verse 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself. That's a voluntary death. He gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, but it says he gave himself. You will remember in John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, he said, no man takes my life, I lay it down of myself. From all outward appearances, he was in the hands of the Romans. They had him bound. He was their prisoner. They were leading him wherever they wanted him to go. But remember the words of Isaiah. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He opened not his mouth. All it would have took was just...